Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. interview today is my first interview that I've done. Now, this may not be the first interview that I actually publish, uh, but for, for TIFF 2018, the Toronto International Film Festival, I was on the line uh, direct to Mumbai. How, how fun is that with Nandita Das to talk about her new film, Manto. This is a, a beautiful gift, uh, I think, to to uh, for, for all of us. This is a film that you're going to need to see, and frankly, it's a, it's another one of those interviews. I think you're going to need need to hear. You're going to find out why Nandita is such a uh, open book, and 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 probably find out a little bit why this film received a four minute standing ovation at Cannes. I mean, how amazing is that? This is a movie about hypocrisy. This is a movie about. Uh, freedom. This is a movie about censorship. It's about it's about being rooted uh, locally, as Nandita says, and uh, to our own reality and truth. It's about it's about context and about um, uh, inequality and, and gender disparity. It's about uh, I mean we, we we talk about Oscar Wilde. We talk about deep conviction and how that leads to 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 uh, courage. Courage follows from deep com- deep conviction. We talk about the film as well and about the comedic edge and about this 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 man who who stood up to the the status quo who stood up to 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 uh, the communities that he he moved and lived within and said there has to be a better way and 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 we we talk about uh, you know does does art actually lead to activism and we, we we raise a lot of questions and we have a lot of fun doing it so please stay tuned uh and and listen in and uh, don't forget uh, davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and speaking and face-to-facelive.ca for more info too uh, uh, about my podcasting. You'll find a, 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 I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival this year. And uh, don't forget if you want to support the work I'm doing here at Face to Face, you can do that through Patreon. Uh, Com. And please share this interview with as many people as you can. They call it a global community for a reason. Coming right up, Nandita Das and uh, talking about her new film, Manto. 
Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here today with us, all the way from Mumbai, actually, calling calling in. Uh, and Nandita Das is here to speak about her film, her new film, Manto, which is going to be a special presentation at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. Nandita, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. No, I'm I'm sure we're going to have a fun conversation. I'm so, I, 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 coming fresh off seeing the film, I, I just can't wait to dive in. I, I, you, you are an eclectic person. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your history and your CV and, and your, your, you know, your resume. You're, you're, you've, you've been acting for years. You're a director. You're a writer. You, I, I saw a TEDx talk for, uh, recently with you. I, I'm just fascinated by your history, and, 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 and I love the film, by the way, and, and congratulations Thank on Montos. You. Thank you so much for that. Well, that means a lot to me because that's the state of mind I'm in and uh, we've only shown Manto where we did our world premiere in Cannes which was a great start yeah, and no then kidding. we were at Sydney then we were at Sydney for the Australian premiere and so I haven't shown it to a lot of people so I'm still very curious as to how people receive it you know when you make a film you you're telling your story in sure. your own way with your perspective and it's so subjective so you're always curious to know how, how is an audience kind of reacting to it? So I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. And uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about the reaction in Cannes? How, or do you want to sort of... Well, um, yeah. So um, we had a world premiere in this beautiful theater. It was packed. I was, of course, nervous. We had to present and there were 24 of us. And uh, usually they only get the main cast and the director. So there are two or three people on stage. And uh, I told them I'd like to get all the 24 of them. So first they almost sort of fell off their chair and he said, are you serious? So 20, 20, the head of 24, 24 people from the film. From the film. <laughs> That's of them had made the effort yeah. to fly all the way. That's and the fantastic. And the crew at their own cost. So having been on the jury in Cannes twice, I knew the head of Cannes very well. So I told Terry Fremo, I said, you know, I know you've traveled the world. I'm sure you can do this and just pronounce all those difficult Indian names, but these people have come from all over India and, you know, such a long journey. So can you, can I just please get them all? So I saw him rattling away these 24 names and he was like, few at the end of it. He was kind of exhausted. And, and then I looked at him and I said, Terry, I'm really sorry. And he said, it's okay, that's India. And, you know, <laughs> I kind of got some laughs. But when the film finished, um, it was... It was quite overwhelming because we got a four-minute standing ovation. Wow. And, you know, and I've been to Cannes, and they're not always very kind. Right, yes. walk out in the middle. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's probably the only festival that's of professionals from the film industry. It's not a ticketed, uh, you know, for a regular audience festival. Right, very different than, other than the Toronto Film Festival. festival. Exactly, or like many other. I mean, more, yes. I don't know if there's any any festival that I know of which is completely for film professionals and you know those who have been accredited. So it is a unique festival, and they are all very discerning and they watched a variety of films. And it's not some cutting edge film. I mean, it's a it's it's not sort of playing with form in a you know very big way. It's in that sense, it's fairly classic. It's simple. Mm. It's linear. And also the context, I wasn't sure whether the French and the others would understand because it's a bit different. And I haven't really kept in mind trying to sort of appease the whole world because you can't. You have to be local and right. rooted to your reality and truth. So I was kind of nervous and wondering how it's going to be. But 
there was a 65-year-old French woman behind me and she was crying away. And there were a lot of people who were just walking out quietly, who didn't want to engage at all. But you could see they were they were kind of tense and just wanted to be with it. I don't know, it was kind of varied reaction because all of us process emotions differently. But um, all in all, it just seemed like somewhere it had touched people, not in a sentimental sort of way because that wasn't the intention. Um, but just in some way, I think they related to it, I guess. And I was happy about that. A four-minute four standing ovation is amazing. So congratulations on that. Hopefully, we can uh, we can at least equal that here in Toronto. <laughs> I'll get I'll get the word on this. I'll get the word on the street for you. So so you 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 just you just mentioned context. You know, it's about mm -hmm. it's about context being rooted locally uh, to to one's mm -hmm. reality and truth. What a what a beautiful phrase. The, um, he he when he's on trial right near the end of the film, he talks about you know. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to critique my work, basically, is the mm -hmm. line to some degree. Then, then yeah. you need to do it in context. Is isn't it? Isn't exactly. it? Isn't it kind of all about context? All of what we're talking about here. Absolutely, and he says, if you want to judge an, a writer, you've got to see his or her entire work, body of work, and you've got to see the context in which he or she has written. You can't just take one word or one line and call it obscene, because he was tried for obscenity six times. Wow, yeah. And he talks about what is really literature, and he says with changing times, literature must also evolve. So the things he says are so, they're so modern. I mean, this right. was 70 years ago, and yet it holds true. You know, these, these are the battles we as artists and writers are still fighting. So it's not, it's not unusual for us to be, you know, sort of, saying that yes it is very relevant do you think do you think his uh, you know what maybe maybe you should provide if if you can without you know too many uh you know spoilers to the film can you provide a little context for the listener uh, i'm going to assume a lot of people who are listening it's even going to be post tiff and they may not have seen the film and and can you give us a little bit about this man and his life and and, and what he was all about i love the fact that he was compared i'm a huge fan of oscar wilde by the way and when i started to do a bit right. of research uh, i i noticed that you definitely a few comparisons you know the push back mm -hmm. the obscenity Absolutely. you know and so on but uh, yeah so could could you could you could you root but us a little bit in the story yeah i mean there were many i call them mantoesque people almost you know i mean oscar wilde also said be yourself because every other person is taken or, or <laughs> everyone else is, has been taken that's so right. Manto was really himself that's right you know, yeah he was, the, he was the he was a contrarian like oscar wilde again said that i'm I can resist any temptation. What? I can resist anything but temptation. But temptation, yes. It's but so temptation. great, yeah. So, you know, so he was, and so was Manto. Uh, he he didn't want, he was a progressive writer of the 40s. And that was a time there were many other progressive writers as well who were resisting uh, orthodoxy, who was, you know, challenging it. The The difference was, one, he didn't want to be part of any association, like any progress. There was a big progressive writers association, he felt he didn't want to be part of any any kind of group. You know, mm. he was so on his own, like in the sense, there was a bit of arrogance as well. Sure, But yeah. an arrogance not in the way we understand, but in a way that, um, you know, when you're just self-assured, when you're just comfortable in your skin, when you kind of just know that what you're saying is coming from a very deep sense of truth. So that was Manto. He died at a very young age. Mm. He died at 42 and uh, he left 
300 short stories behind him. He hundreds of radio plays. He also did scripts for films. Um, you know, he did sketches as in uh, literary sketches on famous people of the time. So he was he was very very prolific, and even till the very end, even though he was tried six times for obscenity and he had to for reasons that will be evident in the film that despite his love for bombay he had to move to lahore mm. um because there was sectarian violence during uh, the partition partition of india which gave birth to pakistan as a new country so the day we were independent from the british rule which was for about 200 years simultaneously there was also partition and there was the largest mass migration in the world till date which a lot of the Westerners don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it really was uh, a very trying and difficult time. And Manto took it all very personally. For him, it wasn't about the numbers and the statistics. All his stories are very intimate. It's really about how people respond to violence, how people respond to prejudice, to you know identity politics. He really invoked an identity which was beyond national and religious identity. I know I've kind of taken off on Manto, but it comes from that place of having genuine admiration for a person who stuck his neck out and given a chance, he would do it 10 times over despite all the challenges. What's so, be- what's so beautiful, I mean, I hadn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't know the story. I didn't know the writer. Um, yeah. So, you know, just, Most I mean, it's, people won't. yeah, people which is, won't, and we, that's the idea. Isn't that the idea? And isn't it wonderful? And I think I heard an interview where you said, you know, it was so challenging to raise funds just, you know, around this yeah. film and the, and how difficult it was, you know, for such a relevant, meaningful story to get those people who might be interested yeah. to to actually write the checks. And, and you just kind of wonder, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the amount of commitment and passion <laughs> that you, you would, you would need in order to see a story like this through to me is, is, is remarkable. Um, so, so, um, he says at one point, you know, just to, to sort of take off on your comment about, uh, the numbers, you just mentioned about the numbers weren't that uh, important to him. I wonder, did I hear a little bit of, I think the quote from the film was, you know, he says something to the effect of either everyone's life matters or no one's does. And he was, I mean, he really yeah. was about the individual, right? He really was about mm-hmm. the importance of, of, um, focusing on the one and then the many. Mm-hmm. Does that make, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. For him, each life matters. But like I said, not based on the religion or the nationality, right. narrow sense of identity. So he meant like, you know, you, if you care for one, you've got to care for everybody. It's not that this particular person's life is more important, whether it's dependent on class or gender or religion or all these things. We, I mean, we do live in a very unequal society mm-hmm. and we have kind of normalized that inequality. right. right. We've all kind of just taken it as a given. And he challenged that and through his writing. And, you know, he, I mean, he, he used to bring out the worst. He used to say that, you know, you can bring out the worst in the best of people and vice versa, that, you know, the worst of people are redeemable. So uh, he, he, his stories were that's quite complex and yet simple in the sense that this, once you understand this idea, it's not so difficult. But in the world, in a world where we are always looking at binary things and looking at are you for or against, uh, you know, do you like this or that? Right. In that kind of a system, you also realize that embracing that ambiguity, that complexity, is also important. 
Why, you know, as you, you know, writer and director of the film, you've clearly carried this story around with you for a long time. What, what do you think, mm-hmm. what do you think it is that drives somebody like that? You know, the, the, the writers, the artists of the world. I mean, you, you know, obviously tap mm-hmm. into your own experience as well, but you know, yeah. here's a guy 70 years ago who clearly mm-hmm. rolled his sleeves up in every possible way, you know, metaphorically and literally and said, I, I'm not going to put up with the status quo. I know that we can do better than this. What What is it that, you know, lit the fire in his soul, if that makes any sense? Um, I think the commonality that I find, whether it's in Monto and many other people who have just, you know, you know whether they're artists or writers or activists, is actually conviction. Mm. When you have a deep conviction about something, you don't need to seek courage. Like a lot of people ask me, oh, how come you did Fire as your first film? In fact, that's by a Canadian Indian mm-hmm. director, Deepa Mehta, who did a film about a relationship between two women. Of course, at that time, I didn't know there was going to be even a second film because right. I just did it for the experience of it, and I thought it was a powerful story. Or when I did my first film, which was Firak, which was, again, you know, deals with human relationships on a post-violence scenario, and how people respond to violence when the obvious violence gets over. Or Manto, which is a period film and much larger in canvas than the budget and the time I had. So I think, at least in my life, and I'm imagining that's what drives people, is just conviction. Because if, you're, if you have those convictions, then courage will follow. You don't have mm. to seek courage. You, know, you don't have to say, oh, how do I... How do I there's no battle within Right. How do I do this? Where do I tap into that courage? The conviction takes you through it because you're so deeply wanting to sort of tell that story or do that work or, you know, you deeply care about something. You think of it as your own. When the political and the personal become one, you don't need to worry about the rest. Everything else just follows and, you know, you find it. Like some a journalist asked me two days ago, said, um, has the interest in Manto waned considering you've been at it for six years? And I thought, oh, I never even thought about it. You know, and uh, because in those six six years, first of all, there were different phases. Right. First, you're writing it and you're realizing, my God, this short life, but there was so much that happened. I started with a 10-year story, which kept getting shorter and shorter and ended up being a four-year story from 46 to 52. It's not a cradle-to-grave story anyways. And um, so, uh, sorry. So, you know, so it's not um, It's not that, um, sorry, I just lost the train of thought. Oh, no, that's okay. You were, you yeah. were talking about the longevity yeah. of the story and how you went to, it became Yes, before. so yes, yeah. sorry, I just come back to it. So basically, whether the writing phase was about what to keep and what to throw, right. then to raise money, then... Whom are you telling this story to? There are some great, amazing Manto experts, very few, but they know everything and you want to leave a nugget for them and for those in the middle and and a large number of people who know nothing about Manto. And yet this is not a Wikipedia page where I'm going to tell them who Manto was. And, you know, so that had its own challenges. Then collecting cast and crew, raising funds, finding Mm -hmm. locations in cities that are so cluttered with, you know, modern-day air conditions, hoarding, satellite. Right, So it's just every phase has had its excitement and challenges. And 
And you're also, it, it's for me, films has always been a means to an end. So it has never been pure art. And, and there is enough logic for those who say, why can't art be for art's sake? And sure, it can be. But for me, somehow, it doesn't work. And I'm a daughter of a painter who I've grown up, you know, seeing my father paint and right. meet all his friends who are artists, writers, architects, you know, musicians. So a lot of them were just great artists, and they don't have to be activists. So it's not that you have to have a social conscience about everything. You can create beautiful art, and all the beautiful art has its own, you know, sort of it, it revolutionizes things in its own way. Sure, yep. Because it, it Ch- kind of touches you. Ch- and ch- you know, change, Hopefully changes the way you see to some degree. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine a world without art? It's almost... Unthinkable. Do you think it's not an Nandita, do you think do you think good art leads to activism? I think activism is the other extreme and not all of us need to be or can be or right. you know, are activists. But I think social conscience is something that we can all carry. And not in a sort of magnanimous way of oh I'm doing this for the world because right. I, the world has given me so much yeah. it's my payback time or nothing. I mean, I just look at it, it just makes my life more meaningful. I'm here for a short while. I'm a, you know, speck of dust in this big, huge universe or a drop of ocean, a drop in the ocean. But I've got to make my life interesting and meaningful so that I can be a full drop. And, you know, so it's, it's a fine line. And that's all. I mean, that's, that's my reason. It, it makes me feel more engaged. I feel, and, and Gandhi, I mean, that's my mantra, Gandhi said, if you want to see the change, you know, be, be part of that be change. Be part of it. Be the change you want to see in the world. Well, now you're talking so, again about, now you're talking, it seems to me, about that conviction that leads to the courage. Absolutely. And if you, and we all want to see a better world. I don't think there's anyone who's going to say, no, I don't want a greener world. I don't want a more peaceful world. I don't want a happier world. But it's not going to happen on its own if you're not going to be part of that. I think that, so one doesn't have to be activist. Just if we all do our respective work, whatever that may be, we all have an area of influence. So if we can just do it with a little bit of social conscience mm. and a little bit of care and passion, I think we're fine. And film does require so much money, so many people, so much goes into it. Why would you waste that opportunity right. to not tell something that you, are, you, know, you care about? Yeah, no, it's lovely. Well, listen, I for what it's worth, I mean, I I'm I'm no no film critic, but I I thought you uh, captured the time so well, and right from the get go, I was engaged, I was in. I mean, oh, uh, uh, he he, I mean, everyone, the cast, the, did the context, did it confuse you at any point? Well, feel, n- no, but it was a that? it was a real, you know, the way you weave the the story storytelling story. in within the storytelling, which is so beautiful to me. Uh, it 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 was um, it kind of shocked me out of my complacency, if that makes any sense, as I as I was watching the yeah, film, and it suddenly throws you. Off. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you don't know whether you've entered a story or not. But I wanted to also do that because in even in Manto's stories, the line between fact and fiction are so blurred. It's so great that, that you bring that up. 
Yeah, that's yeah, a question. That's a question I wanted to ask you, you know, as a storyteller, as an actor, as a director, right. how important is that mm -hmm. to you? Is it, is it, you know, is, you know, where, I mean, so many questions around that, what's truth and what is an actually, you yeah. know, is it important to get the facts right? Or is it more about the intention of the story and what it actually sort of points to, right? The truth that it points to. Right. I think it's, it's, there's no clear answer to that though, because uh, I wanted to get the facts right, for instance. You know, because I, I just felt I'm also not a professional filmmaker. I've never gone to a film school. Could, or have, a could have fooled me, Nandino. Sorry? You could have fooled me. You're not a professional filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, but sometimes it frees you up, you sure. know, when you, when you don't know the grammar of something too well. So great. You're not yeah. sort of caught by, like, how it should be done. You just go more by instinct. And, of course... Instinct also is something that you have that is groomed and nurtured over the years. Everything, every experience that you have kind of nurtures your instinct as well. Mm -hmm. It's not just sitting in the gut. So I guess life experiences teach you things and, you know, growing up with an artist, so it gives you a certain visual sense. Loving music gives you a sense of sound. Being an actor helps you communicate with actors. So, and, you know, having written the script, I was so close to the material I almost knew what I wanted. And having said that, it's still 60% of what you want because there are a hundred other factors that play on you and, and the whole process. It, everything is not in your control, but you still try and do the best you can and bring out the vision that you have and communicate that to your cast and crew. But I did, right from the beginning, I was clear that I wanted to weave in the stories. And I, and I felt like I needed to give everyone a glimpse of those stories, because why should you believe that Manto was sensitive, that he had a right. special empathy for women, or that he was a great writer, and all of that? And I think it's 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 like if you're if you're going to do a film on Mozart or Van Gogh and not have not see their work, that would be strange. So, well, I think you know, I think for for me that my my experience was that it actually heightened uh, not only the tension but also the horror of the the implications of some of the stories that, that he chose to tell, which then has implications on how you see uh, what, what is actually, what's truly obscene here. What's truly mm -hmm. obscene is what's actually going on. And, and right. Exactly. And, yeah. And that's where you start to go, okay, this, is this really happening? What I'm watching right now? Or is mm -hmm. that one of the stories that he was telling? So I think it, I think it really amplified the, the, the impact for me. And it definitely is a film for me that, that requires more than one viewing. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Also because it is, it is led, and that was the idea, because, you know, anybody's life, it's complex. Mm -hmm. and when, but I, when I watch a Spanish film, like if I watch an Almodovar film, or I watch a Kurosawa film, or, you know, any other context, like a, a Wang Kar Wai film, I don't understand every word of it. <laughs> That's right. Yep. You mention different things that are new to me, but, but I, if it's a good film, I connect with it. It stirs something in my mind and heart. And, and I let go of those nitty-gritties. But those nitty-gritties also make it authentic. I mean, even a, even a regular Hollywood film like Sully, uh, you know, if you've seen that mm -hmm. with, about uh, this pilot, right? Yes. Tom Hanks plays that role. And there is so much of the uh, airline jargon, like, you know, whatever goes into the, uh, for the, the vocabulary that pilots would speak with the ground stuff and all of And I, we don't understand that. But when they do it authentically, transports you into that context, which is important. 
And once you believe, once you buy into that context, then you sort of latch on to the universal emotions that in any case you relate to. So I don't think there are, there are portions that you may not understand as well as maybe somebody who understands in India or somebody in Bombay who's lived through this city may get something that somebody in Chennai or Delhi right, may not understand. Right. So you know how far are you going to spoon feed people? You've well, got to just... Well, and I think, I think too, on some level, I think you, you've already alluded to it, but, but I think great art or great storytelling, Richard Wagamese is a, a, a formerly a Canadian uh, First Nations mm. author, Indigenous author, and he said that stories are meant to heal. And I've always loved that phrase, and I'm starting to really reflect more and more on that. And, and it, I, don't, I think the, the act of, you know, isn't it a beautiful line? The, 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 yeah. the act of telling What's the story. Name his name is, yeah, first name is Richard, and his, his yeah, last name me. is Wagamese. I can, I can send it along to you, but it's uh, W-A-G-A-M-E-S-E. Yeah, Wagamese. And, um, it, M-E-S-E. M-E-S-E, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he, yeah, okay. st beautiful storyteller. Okay. And and the idea that, that, you know, the telling of the story, the receiving of it, the conversation mm -hmm. that exists around it, and the fact that it sits, it sits, mm -hmm. it sits with the person, it sits with the community, it sits with the storyteller. I love at the beginning of the film, wasn't it his wife who, he, doesn't he ask his wife um, yeah. something about, don't you fear father's eyes? And she says something exactly. like, not, not as much as your stories. <laughs> not as much, you know, yeah. <laughs> when my father's eyes scare you, he's like, not as much as your stories. That, that, that's right. The story kind of begins almost in a happy way and suddenly it becomes sinister and you almost think, oh my God, what's going to happen? Mm. And it not only, the, the the punch is not, or whatever, the end is not about the fact that it happens or not, but that everyone has their own dignity and that, mm. I, mean, I don't want to give away, that's why I'm hesitating to say, but, you know, he gives so much integrity and dignity to women and especially sex workers that nobody was writing about at that time or even now and treating people as marginalized as they may be, but as human beings, as people. And, and I think that's pretty unique. I think it's amazing. There's a, also right near the beginning of the film, and I think it's right around that in that same scene. Uh, and I can't remember who said it, but she's she's not a girl; she's a firecracker. <laughs> yeah. And, and I and I wonder to what degree is that is that kind of representative of one of the themes that you had in the film? You know, this this ex, I don't know firecracker. There's there's a whole <laughs> lot of potential there. There's this explosive edge. You know, you could you could go cliche, but there's I think there's more going on there than meets the eye for sure. Yeah, no, that's true. And everyone's going to find their own meanings as yep. well. Like to be honest, I never thought of firecracker. I didn't. But I'm happy you did. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but I, I do love those kinds of threads, those thematic threads that sometimes it seems to me are are revealed on a second and third viewing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's why you go back to Absolutely. a great film. It's why you read a poem a second and third and fourth time. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's been my experience anyway. No, and that's why you want to make sure that it doesn't, film like this doesn't just end up with festivals, which is a great right. platform, but actually gets distributed. Sure. Otherwise, films like these get a label at all, they're just festival films. And, but there's no level playing field because everywhere the mainstream cinema is what gets the most amount of traction because just that there are more takers, more distributors and exhibitors and producers bet their money on. And I wish films like these, which you can't really box, it's not like a completely indie film, it's neither like a Bollywood mainstream cinema, it's just a film that hopefully people across 
God would be able to relate right. and take something from it, if not everything. Do you, do you think, uh, like Manto, that we still live in unbearable times? I wonder to what degree yes. his work would, <laughs> would, would his work have been published today? I think, you know, would he have, con mm. would he have created as much of a stir today? Uh, would he have been in jail by now? You know, I mean, I think these are right. some pretty interesting questions, not only about censorship, Absolutely. but, but about, about, um, well, about a whole lot what of things. What people are writing and right, what people, right. it's self-censorship, right? I mean, a lot of people, especially where there is sort of more institutional censorship, people are kind of bowing down before they are being asked to. So it's also that, you know, society can't grow if our artists and writers are not going to have the space for free speech and, you know, freedom of expression. And that's not really an India problem. I mean, there are books that have mm. been banned in America. There are films in Cannes this year. There were two films that were banned in their respective countries, an Iranian and a Kenyan film, and they were being showcased in Cannes. So um, it is it is happening in different degrees. Sometimes there are big corporations who buy out media houses. I mean, all of these are sort of unsaid forms of censorship. You know, there are lobbies that don't allow a certain thing to come out, a certain fact to come out. So we do live in sort of unbearable times in many different ways. And while Manto was censored then and is celebrated now, but there are Manto-esque people living mm -hmm. now and who are struggling for that space. And, you know, there is there's a fair amount of stifling happening to their freedom. I mean, there was a journalist in India who was actually shot dead was speaking up her mind. I knew her well, actually. She was in Bangalore called Gauri Lankesh. There have been other rationalists and, you know, sort of just liberals who have been attacked so and shot dead. Mm. So, you know, so the, these are times where we need to reflect more definitely and therefore also celebrate those who have shown us the path, who, in, you know, who have sort of put their neck on the line because that's, Kind of inspirational. Do do you think do you think to some degree that we're all storytellers? I mean, maybe we don't. I love your phrase, yeah. Montoesque. By the way, I, I just love that. So, and I'm <laughs> I will be using that in the future, just so you know. But do do you think we? Yeah. And is is it about just kind of practicing the craft or the art of storytelling around the dinner table, over a coffee, over a drink, a glass of wine, etc.? I mean, is that? Yeah. I mean, that's why films will never be obsolete. I think mm. or story writing. Oh, that's so and, good. Yeah. In literature, because there may be less people, the form might change, but we will always tell stories because we love stories. We are voyeurs as well. If somebody is telling you a story, you're like, "Oh, really? Did that happen to her? <laughs> Did he do that?" I mean, you know, we we enjoy we enjoy spinning stories, and all of us do. And there are people who hear us. There be some may have ten people, some may have ten thousand or ten million. But the thing is, we all have listeners as well to those stories. So some are better storytellers than others, but I think stories are very powerful. And yes, they can heal. Although art has also been misused. Art right. has also been sure. propaganda to spread lies. So, you know, as as idealists, I would have never said that, but the the realist in me says, well, let we'll have to differentiate good art and art that is misused. And then, that brings us to the question, what is good art? Because that's subjective. You know, what's good for you may not be for me. But then I guess time is the only judge. You know, right. I mean, when, we, when, when writers or, or piece of work or literature or art 
that has really stood the test of time, that's what we can look back and say, Michelangelo was great, or Van Gogh was great, or Matisse, or whatever, you know, Bach, or Beethoven, and all of that, because they are just timeless and spaceless. So I think that's the only way we can. That's why we need to just have really honest intent and conviction in what we do. So good. We don't know how people are going to really process it and like it or not. There's a, there's a, and sadly, we're going to have to wrap up our conversation here in a a couple of minutes. And it's heartbreaking (laughs) to me. I could keep going all night. Um, I'm enjoying it too. Oh, good. Good. So glad. Uh, There's a, there's a, hmm. I was going to say there's a comedic edge to the film. I don't know if I'd go there. I'd, there's definitely moment, these yes, wonderful he's moments. He's a writer after all, and, you know, he's got his tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, yeah. Like in the courtroom, he suddenly sort of branches out and recites a kind of a, almost like an obscene poetry <laughs> to, a, right. <laughs> to a priest, and he's like, what the hell are you even talking about? You know, And, and that kind of leads him to saying that, you cannot just pick a word or a sentence, what we were talking earlier. Yes. You've got to see the context and you've got to see this poet's entire work and understand where he's coming from. There's a, so, there's a, there's a great there's a great moment, a kind of a laugh out moment for me, and you can help me with the actual mm-hmm. phrasing. But they, I think they're drinking and they talk about, you know, uh, uh, or I think he says something to his friend about it's it's uh, people drink to endure pain or to relieve their conscience yeah. or something like that. And, and, yeah. and his friend says, yes, yeah, that's not working out too well for you, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's neither numbing his conscience or yeah. sort of silencing it. And then somebody, you know, another, actually it was a great director called K. Asif who made one of those biggest iconic classic films and he comes to him with another script and he said, did you like it? And he said, no, it was terrible. That's right, utter rubbish or something. He said, I I actually take a fees for my opinion. That's right. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I was joking, but you know, if he wants to give it, I'll take it. So yeah, he had sort of a humor in the way that he sort of lived his life and what he said. Well, he clearly he clearly wanted to disrupt people, but but oh, yeah. and, and, but it wasn't it wasn't pointless. Like he wasn't doing it like lifestyle advertising. He wasn't doing it just no, to disrupt. It was provocative it was, because provocative with a purpose, almost you know, with in, with intention. In fact, he says, I don't know if I still left it in the film. In one of my drafts, is there that someone says, "Why are you so provocative?" And he says, "Anything worth writing is going to be provocative in these times." Yes, and it's so true. Even today, I would say that you know anything worth writing or reading or seeing that really touches you is going to be provocative. So, yeah. Well, I I, I think it's a it's a it's a beautiful sort of way to we can end on a prov- provocative note. I think that's not not <laughs> such a bad place to end. I can't tell you how thrilled I am uh, to have been able to get thank you, you on the phone and thank you so much for this conversation. Thank We've you. Been, I really enjoyed and please spread the word. I'm coming to Toronto in September, and I've been coming to Toronto for many years, oh, many fantastic. films as an actress. And uh, Firak, my first film, had its world premiere there. But this time I'm coming after 10 years, and I'm sure the city has grown and changed, and so has the festival. But it's a festival I really like, so I'm looking forward to well, it. Well, I hope you do have a wonderful time, and I, I do hope we actually get to s- uh, meet each other face-to-face and shake yes, hands and say hello. Yes, why don't you come for one of the screenings? I hope and I, hope I can do that. Now that you've committed... Publicly, that you you it needs a second view. <laughs> That's right. I'm now on record. Have a coffee, and you can tell me whether it, 
still holds as much attention. Oh, that's wonderful. We've been talking to Nandita Das today about her new film, Monto, premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Thank you David. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 